Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With Row, look at the time. Just like that. The final hour is here. We made it. Made it to the final hour. We spent the entire break looking like Zach Galifianakis in the hangover with I, algorithms over our head trying to figure out how Stetson Bennett, the puzzle that went into him going to school for seven years this. and not getting a degree while staying academically eligible at a school. What we came up with is that he just didn't go to the school. <laughs> That Kirby Smart just came to him and said, well, hey, man, just come play quarterback again for us, and you can, you can live just, at home with your parents if you want. Doesn't I, matter. Just come play. I, mean, I, you, I think you really have to try to not graduate, to pull this off. But the way to do it would be to choose a major that's on the opposite end of the spectrum and just, just change your major mid-college career and not even care how close you are to graduating from whatever major you were originally declaring. And all those credits don't necessarily transfer over. Um, it's again, it is a remarkable feat. Alab in the YouTube chat says, as much as I hate Bennett, I've had this <laughs> nagging feeling. He's going to end up being the best quarterback in this draft class. I, I mean, you bet against this guy. I know at your own peril. I like, mean, nothing stops him. We thought he's going to be a seventh round pick or undrafted. undrafted he goes in the third round or fourth round, third, Four, uh, fourth round, fourth round. He goes to the Rams and this is after a public intox charge when he was supposed to be at the Senior Bowl. This is clearly after every NFL team knows he does not have a degree after going to school for seven years, and the dude gets drafted higher than most everyone expected. Well, six years, Whatever right? he does turns out to be gold. I guess it was 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Six years, not seven. Yeah. I'm at it. The seven And then one of those better. years was a junior college. Again, like I don't know what... It, it, you have to be brilliant at this to pull this off, Chad. How many years did uh, Tommy Boy go to school? Was it six or seven? When David how, Spade in the movie says, yeah, Wilder? they're called doctors. But like Van, the whole, the, the, he is the Van Wilder of this, where it's just like, yeah, I'm really trying not to graduate. Can I change my major? Sure. Sure, Stetson. Just keep going. Meanwhile, like there was one point where Georgia fans, and I mean, for all that, for all that matters, coaches were trying to get him out of there. That's, I'm getting the seven years from Tommy Boy. I just immediately looked up the uh, clip. A lot of people go to college for seven years, is what he said. And David Spade says, yeah, they're called doctors. Well, I mean, Stetson probably would have if he had more eligibility. Van Wilder years of college. Let's see if he beat him or not. PGA or Championship. Let me refresh this and get the PGA scores going here. Bryson DeChambeau. Seven, seventh year senior, Van Wilder also. Seven, seven years. years. Yep. Seventh year senior he was. Bryson DeChambeau is your leader at the PGA Championship at four under. And then we've got three players nodded at three under. Uh, Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, and Scotty Scheffler. That's a good leaderboard right now at the very top. A couple of Americans, a couple of big names. One of which not many people on tour like in Bryson DeChambeau. Another one that everyone likes in Scotty Scheffler, who continues to just Rory dominate. Rory is one over right now. Brooks Kepka two over for the day. And last we checked, Colin, it was... Six over, six over for John Rahm. 
And he's finished. Yeah, he's done. Done at six over. Yeah, we'll keep you updated. Uh, Justin Thomas, by the way, the defending champ here at the PGA Championship, two over right now, uh, as he will be preparing soon for round two. Laid some money on uh, Mark Harris's suggestion, his long shot, Tyrrell Hatton, uh, the, the Brit, who at last check was three over par through three holes. <laughs> not good. Not, not good. Not in the – not in the – not gonna, not gonna make the cut is what I'm taking right great. now from Tyrrell Hatton. That money will go ahead that I bet based on Mark Harris's uh, recommendation will be gone by tomorrow afternoon because he will not make the cut. Coming up, we'll dive into the Pac-12s. They're, they're they're upgrading their media access on game day for TV networks. We'll tell you about that momentarily. But first, Chad, let's uh, give our reaction to to John Morant and the the saga that continues with well. The comments yesterday by J.J. Reddick that made the rounds um, about, hey, it's, it's not illegal. Why are we throwing the book at the 23-year-old, but we're not holding others who are posing with guns to the same standard? Here's Charles Barkley on TNT inside the NBA pregame prior to tip-off between Boston and Miami. Here's Barkley's take on the Ja Morant saga. I got to say something, man. We got some idiots, some fools, some jackasses on television that really just pissed me off talking about Josh should make a stand saying he didn't break any laws. He didn't do anything wrong. We're in the state where you can carry your gun. Those guys are just, they're just freaking idiots. And I only say freaking because y'all won't let me say what I want to say. It, it pisses me off when I hear guys say that. Yo, man, when you're making $100 million a year to play sports, your life changes. There are certain rules and regulations you have to live by. Playing and simple you can't do stupid stuff that's the trade-off now if you want to do all that stuff and give all that money back more power to you you can make that stance and you know what i want to do what i want to do i want to flash my gun and make videos and do things okay that's fine but you can't make money on the nba doing this stuff there's charles barkley last night prior to tip off of the nba on tnt he's right and everybody by the way on set with him agreed and it's I love hard. how he said, you guys aren't going to let me say what all I really want to say when he starts out on that, well, which was great. Watching well, it live, he, he nearly said the F word, and then he says, freaking. Yeah. And then he jumps in and well, says, I think you probably, that's not what I really wanted to say. I probably t- wanted to say more, too, that he told them off camera, I'm guessing. That, no, he that, said, I'll, I'll say freaking because I want to, I want to say yeah. something you guys won't let me say. That's how upset he was about it. But, I mean, look, he's not the first – and he's certainly not the last that are now taking the hard stance on John Morant. And it's part of the, I won't say lackadaisical, but the other approach, which was the very passive approach back in March, where it's, oh, Jaws away from the team right now. You know, he's getting help, and we'll update you on what's, what's occurring at this counseling, as Shannon Sharp called it, drive-through counseling. He then meets with the commissioner, and the commissioner uh, ends up that the NBA ends up suspending him eight games. Adam Silver releases a statement saying that they met, felt like Ja understood where where the league was coming from, why he needed to straighten out things in his life. He felt like Ja Morant was contrite in that. And then two months later, here we are yet again. And now, I, Chad, we said then, it is now on Ja Morant for all of the finger pointing and oh, it's who you're hanging with and. Oh, it's your parents and all of these different people, you know, cook, uh, hand in the cookie jar. Now it's on John Morant to get it right because Nike has pulled his signature shoe off the shelves. They're not selling it on their side any longer, the Jaw ones. And 
we also know about Powerade and their marketing campaign that was set to roll out that they've hit the pause button on. They also aren't buying the apologies and the efforts being made right now, or they're not betting on the fact he's going to get things back on the, the straight line where you're expecting the next hiccup and you're not going to be shocked by it. Unlike this past week where we did a double take to make sure it wasn't an old video that had resurfaced on social media. The next one's going to be presumed live and accurate. The people that are defending John Morant right now in the media are the ones hurting him the most. I truly believe that because John Morant is currently surrounded by a bunch of yes men that are going to go along with whatever he says and probably lead him into some really bad decisions at times as well. He doesn't have a good crew around him. It's very clear. And we've got plenty of evidence to show just that. And that's not just friends that are around him. That's family. Uh, That's his mom getting him involved in a situation he shouldn't have been in at a mall with a manager at a shoe store. That's his dad doing some foolish things Mm. at games at times. This is everyone around him that's not helping him. So, J.J. Redick, you're not helping John Morant. When you give him any type of out or you distract people from the real issue, which is John Morant's decision-making, and try to make it about Republican politicians and their stance on gun control or lack thereof or whatever, you are turning something into a defense of John Morant. And I guarantee you, Morant is going to look at these things because he's surrounded by people that tell him everything that he wants. And I bet all these people are showing him, hey, man, look. Look at what this guy had to say. Hey, this guy on Twitter brings up a great point about why aren't these guys crushing this this congressman from Tennessee about posing with AR-15s of this family. That's a good point, Josh. Think about that. You're not doing anything wrong, man. Go ahead and flash a gun and rap lyrics and go to a strip club and bring your gun and do whatever you want because this is the real problem, and these guys understand it, and they've got your back. No one needs to have his back when it comes to this decision-making. The quicker that happens, the quicker he wants to change and get better. I don't believe he wants to change. I don't think we've seen any evidence of that. I think he did a complete faux therapy session slash rehab for four days because he thought it would help with his suspension time where he could get back to playing basketball. I think everything he said to Jalen Rose was hollow. I think Jalen Rose was the perfect person to agree to an interview with because he threw softball after softball. And it was the most comfortable environment possible for John Morant to do an interview. That didn't help him. But it also sounds like that was the way he came across to the commissioner. Clearly, Adam Silver felt like he was at least being somewhat genuine with him. But it's pretty clear he's being fake with the commissioner also. And the commissioner knows that now. Yes. So to go back to J.J. Reddick's point about people want to lay the hammer on this kid. The NBA has full ability and rights to lay the hammer on him with a suspension I believe they should because, Hutton, we've seen the momentum with TV ratings right now. League's in a better place than they've been in a while. Ratings are up across the board. They've got legitimate superstars battling it out. These games are compelling. Even the, the, the storylines on the side are good with some of the drama that's going on. It's good for the league. Yeah, Being perceived, again, as being soft is not going to be good for the league. I don't think Adam Silver Silver's going to be soft with this one because I think that he is legitimately feels like he's been embarrassed by well, John Morant and made to look weak, and he's not going to look weak a second time. But he also doesn't – he's not compelled to be soft on this either, right? Like the, this is a league that turns to the players 
for suggestions and insight on what they should do, right? Yeah. And they certainly did that during COVID. Yeah, they'll bring LeBron protests. James into the, into the conference room. Yeah, well, I'm saying like, oh, how do, how do our stars feel about this? And we're going to align with how they feel or how they think. In this case, by and large, this is an opportunity for Adam Silver to lay the hammer down and also have the league behind him. That's a very rare occurrence when it comes to the suspensions of, of players, right? Or, um, you know, imagine in today's age changing the dress code in the NBA, which we saw after Malice in the Palace with David Stern. I don't yeah. know if you can have that same hardline stance now in, in the NBA as it is constructed with the power that the players have. Good head coaches can't even stick around an organization two years after winning a title in this league. But Adam Silver doesn't have to be soft in this instance because he's granted permission to not be. Case in point is with any talking head other than J.J. Redick. Even Stephen A. Smith is not buying what, what John Moran is saying. And how could you whenever you, know, you can type in the same query at ChatGPT and get the same apology, written apology that was sent out in a statement uh, from John Morant's camp through Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, someone wrote in, write me a paragraph apologizing to everyone about my actions on ChatGPT. And Chad, wouldn't you know it, the AI popped up the same paragraph that John Morant's camp sent as a statement apologizing. I know I've disappointed a lot of people. Let me restart this and just imagine you're, you're apologizing for literally anything. I know I've disappointed a lot of people who have supported me. This is a journey, and I recognize there is more work to do. My words may not mean much right now, but I take full accountability for my actions. I'm committed to continuing to work on myself. That from John Morant slash GPT slash Hallmark. I mean, that is as standard and as sterile as you can find. So even if it's not from ChatGPT, it's as hollow as the first one was, if not more, because it's comparable to something you could find for any apology out there. And he released this, his camp released this, right after Adam Silver was live on ESPN earlier this week. Yeah, Trip in our YouTube chat says, if Silver's really serious, he'll suspend him for the entire season upcoming. Uh, I thought that'd be a possibility when I first saw the video. My, my initial thought was, he's going to get a season. Um, half a season. I, I, don't, I don't think half a season is soft know, or anything. Well, but, see, but I thought the big message see, would be a full season. The other thing, though, is Silver in his, in his chat um, earlier this week said eight games was significant to him. He felt like that was, that was okay. Well, I think the eight games was, when he says significant, he felt that was enough to get his attention. Right. And I think at the time we all thought, yeah, that makes sense. But we also, we also at the time said, oh, but I, what about this counseling thing? All of a sudden, he's done with that after a couple of days. Like, yeah. That's generally not how that works. I just, so the whole chat GPT thing on the apology, I, I don't even care about that because even if it was his own words, I wouldn't care. Right. It's still, because it's still to me about, right. is he really going to take this seriously? We literally, it's rinse and repeat from I, two months ago. I'm not just throwing him out of the league and saying the guy's irredeemable. Right. And there's nothing good about it. It's not, it's not that serious, but there has to be some. He keeps talking about, I continue to work on myself, and I just don't buy it. When I see him in that video, I don't see a guy who was alarmed even by the eight-game suspension. I see a guy who doesn't care, who's around a bunch of people that tell him he's awesome and that everything he does is great and that he shouldn't change. And now you've got media members defending him 
or even if not defending him, attacking someone else. Again, take your eye over here and not mm-hmm. on this. And that is another crutch for John ja Morant, where I, I just hope the guy gets better and legitimately wants to change and not do stupid bleep like this anymore. And then he's going to have a great career if he does that. But I believe it's going to start with at least a half a season this year that he's going to miss. Chad, the Pac-12, still no update on their media rights contract moving forward past 2024. It's about to expire. But what we do know is they're adding more access for their media partners this year, that being ESPN and Fox Sports. Access for their broadcast partners to give more of an inside look to their teams and their overall brand. And while it's going to enhance individuals and programs, I don't think any of these changes enhance the value of the Pac-12 for a media rights discussion. I've seen a little bit of this, like, oh, this is now what they're, they're trying to offer more access than what the other television agreements will give or are or, or allowed to, to take. That's not what's happening here. It's with ESPN and, and Fox. And if you really dive into it, with Fox having started the USFL last year, ESPN with the XFL, the Pac-12 will be implementing some of the same access looks, listen, listen lives. You've got, you could be, the, the reports are they're going to allow for the coaches in the booth to be mic'd up. You'll have certain coaches on the sideline mic'd up. Access with cameras in the pregame and halftime locker rooms, plus more access to on-field mobile cameras. All that being said, it's going to build the brands of Lincoln Riley. It'll help out brands like Deion Sanders, who's going to welcome any camera around him that he, he can a- have access to. Um, and Chip Kelly, those three come to mind from the Pac-12. But does it enhance the value of a television contract? No. If anything, it's going to enhance whatever ESPN's about to do with the SEC and what Fox Sports will be doing with the Big Ten, not the Pac-12. But it will help the overall brands of this conference. And the best brands are the ones that are about to bolt in a year or two anyway. So while I'm here for it, I'm not taking the grandstanding of, hey, here's what we're doing for our media partners as anything other than they're doing everything possible to stay afloat. And I think they know that even this is going to be quite the journey. Because I doubt Chip Kelly really wants to wear a mic, given the fact that he also calls plays. Right? You don't want that going down. And Lincoln Riley, same way. Uh, there would be reservations there. Meanwhile, Dion's just Dion on the sideline. You know, he's used to it. He's used to the reality series with Jackson State and everything else involved with these networks. So I, I, I wonder how much access the head coaches will give. But, I mean, I'll tune in and watch access to a, a play call with a certain quarterback. Caleb Williams and his interactions with Lincoln Riley. That's excellent. Too bad they're going to the Big Ten, right? Yeah, and that's look. If you're the Pac-12 right now, you got to get creative. You got to try to figure out everything that you could possibly offer that others aren't offering right now, and that's tough because the top two and, conferences have kind of mastered the game and not everything and figured out what to offer. Yeah, I found this interesting. I'd like to dive into it, you know, behind the scenes a bit. But there are certain things with NCAA guidelines on game day that they can't do that I bet the XFL and the USFL have been doing. I, camera access, for instance. I wonder if, like, drones. I doubt drones are allowed at a college stadium, right? Yeah. But that's kind of the camera angle 
that the USFL rolled out there a year ago on Fox. That would be cool. That would make things different. That would enhance the overall product and give you a different angle from what you're used to seeing on any other college platform. But they would have to have certain, certain things written in or allowed to happen um, from the NCAA level if they actually want to roll out every, every little gadget that's been used for these spring leagues. But I'm here for it. I'd love to see some of these college coaches mic'd up. Yeah, I think more access is a good thing, but how does it enhance the brand of the Pac-12 yeah. for a media rights partner and give them a lot more money? I don't think it really does that. Coming up, there's a billionaire backing Patino. We'll tell you who and why Patino ended up at St. John's. Plus, uh, another coach wants to expand the NCAA tournament, but even larger than what's been reported at the 90-plus team level. And, Chad, the NFL compared to the NBA with the draft. Should the NFL consider a draft lottery? They consider anything as a great television product for their brand. What would a NFL draft lottery bring ratings-wise? That's next on Hot Mike. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Join us in the chat on YouTube. Search out Outkick. We hope you'll subscribe to the channel. You can catch all the shows there. Chad, Rick Patino's got a billionaire in his pocket. Mike Rapoli. He is the former founder and owner of Vitamin Water and Body Armor. Sold both to Coca-Cola. And... His net worth is listed as one point something billion. It's probably more than that because he sold uh, body armor for five billion to Coca-Cola. But he specifically was out on St. John's. Huge supporter. Out in 2019. He was at odds with the leadership of the university. He's back in. And he went and met with Patino down in Boca Raton back in March ahead of the hiring and said, I'll give you what you need. Just come coach. And this is a perfect setup. St. John's, Rick Patino, and a billionaire. He's also into horse racing. His current yep. occupation and what he's heading up are stables where he's got horses, which he Rick to- Patino is famously into horse racing from his time in the state of Kentucky. So there's a connection there as well. well I saw his, his headshot. I'm like, this guy looks very familiar. He was on the NBC coverage because they had to pull one of the horses out of a race last minute due to something. And they it were interviewing him. Yeah. Um, but Patino's one of those, Chad, I think this is a no-brainer success story at St. John's. I think he has them back and playing at a very high level soon. Yeah, St. John's is up to some weird stuff, though, with Mike Anderson and uh, the lawsuit Mike Anderson has against the school where they're trying to do the fire for cause and they're claiming that he didn't support academics well, with the team. And he's like, Rapoli, we had one down year and our APR, I, we won an award from the Big East well, with the best APR. Rapoli may have just hurt their case for that because he's quoted about Patino saying that they, they didn't seem like they were going to make a change at coach, and it was time to do it, and we needed to go big, and I went and met with Patino about it. And then if you're going to point to the academic angle, that's what you're fishing for in that one year. 
right? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of vague. Like he didn't yeah. collaborate with the university. He had an atmosphere of not listening to his players, or you know, something they can throw a blanket on and pretend that you know with legalese that they're not going to pay him his buyout. They owe him his buyout, and I, I think it's ridiculous. My, Mike Anderson, of all I've yeah. heard about him, is a good man. He sucked at St. John's. He didn't win enough. He got fired. But don't church up some sort of charge of a lack of compliance and you didn't have an atmosphere of academic support or whatever to try to not give the guys buyout if you sign a contract with them. So I'm hoping that Mike Anderson either wins that lawsuit or they settle for whatever amount he wants and that he can get from St. John's. But yeah, when Rapoli is saying... I'm going to support St. John's when they're serious about winning and when they win again. And that it, because of what was going on around them at Providence going big, or not Providence, Georgetown, Georgetown. going big with Ed Cooley taking Providence as coach. Now here's, was the time to strike and throw a Hail Mary, and we got a Hail Mary with Rick Patino. Here's what Rapoli told Forbes. To me, St. John's was getting incredibly close to being irrelevant, and I think they would have stayed with the current coach. It was just basically a matter of time, especially with Georgetown and other schools making such big moves. And the Rick Patino move was like a Hail Mary that basically went from game over, irrelevant, to NCAA tournament, maybe Final Four. I mean, if that's not uh, helping Mike Anderson's cause, I don't know what is to, to receive the buyout. And I, there's no way to me that St. John's will be able to pull off this. We're firing them with cause. That, yeah. That's the one part of this I don't understand. Chad, I don't understand why there is a rush from coaches, from fans. I understand it from the broadcast end because the numbers and the money are, are going to be extra, just crazy, crazy good. But the rush to expand the NCAA tournament more than what it is, when we're just now across the landscape of college basketball, getting to a point where parity's never been better, We've got 16 seeds, upsets, uh, and it's kind of like, oh, this has happened before. It's almost becoming the norm. This is like the 14 seed now, you know, pulling the upset. But Leonard Hamilton at Florida State, ACC spring meetings wrapping up at Amelia Island. He's saying, hey, I realize I'm going to be in the minority here. I realize this may come with some backlash, but I think we should double the NCAA tournament. He wants to go past 90. He wants to take it to 138. Overall, uh, 138 teams, double the tournament. And he says, hey, you're already adding two days because they're doing the play-in games in Dayton. And it would take two days to whittle it down to 64 anyway. So why not double it? And then you have your overall tournament from there. But Chad, I, d I don't want to see below 500 teams get in and get blown out or, or not. Or, let me take it back a step further. I do want to see the 16 seeds go up against the one and pull the upset instead of having to go through Mississippi State or have to go through Virginia Tech in order to take on the number one seed, in order to face Purdue, right? Like I, I like it the way it is because with the transfer portal and everything, it, it's more of an even playing field than we've ever seen it before. And watering it down to this degree for the sake of, I mean, I guess he gets bonus based on NCAA tournament bids. I mean, there, there would I be no reason to if, watch some of these teams. I honestly wonder if it's going to be good for job security or bad or for bad. it. Yeah. Because suddenly, 
I mean, not making the NCAA tournament is totally unacceptable. But if you're in a Power cases, 5 school, you'll get fired quicker. But by doubling that, I mean, it, it's all but just a very small handful that would not get in based on the, how they small. measure it. And I, we all understand basketball is a tournament sport at yeah. its core, but the regular season has to matter. And I mean, how much does the regular season even matter at all if you're going to let 138 teams in? Because you're probably adding yeah. all but what, maybe the bottom two of the main of, conferences? Of any, and even with the expansion maybe? to, what, 90... How many would it be? 96? Is that the proposal? 94? Yeah, 96 um, is the next, next okay. rung up. Even with that, the entire, I believe, what this past year, the entire Big 12 would have gotten in yeah. based on the way the committee ranked teams after we saw the final bracket. That's crazy. It's not like you help out the Cinderella's the Cinderellas would be from the Power Five. They would just suck. It would be a team that got hot at the right time, and they're coming off their their conference tournament. I mean, the, the 138 is extreme. I understand at some point, I don't know if 96, but going up some just because you've added a lot of Division One teams. Yeah. So it would make sense to add they want that, that 25%. If you wanted to add that percentage, you know, yeah. if it's 96, whatever. I guess I can live with that. I don't love it. But deep down, what needs to happen is it needs to feel like an accomplishment to make the NCAA tournament. It is a coup to make the tournament at a small conference, yes. right? Yes. If you do that, I mean, that's but, that's how you propel to a bigger job. But absolutely. Even if you're in a power conference, it needs to feel like an accomplishment to make the NCAA tournament. If you put 138 teams in, it is not an accomplishment. It is a fireable offense to not make it, which I wonder what that does to job security for coaches. But also, like, it would also, while – a handful of teams from Conference USA and other Sun Belts are going to get in. It's going to be heavily dominated. It's the Power Five tournaments, what it turns into, and it already is. But it, it, it it's not going to help the mid to low major. It doesn't. Not as much as what people think, because I think there are, people think that oh, you know, you're going to get more from the smaller conferences when really you're just going to get more from the big conferences that have eliminated themselves based on conference play over the last month and a half in the current format. I. Because that's, that's what the committee is telling us based on how they structure the tournament now. So why would they change based on an expanded tournament? If they're valuing what they value now, it should still be the value of that team and what gets you in. If they go to 138, one thing they, I would think would be a must for me to make it somewhat fair is you now allow the regular season conference champion and, and the tournament champion in in every league. So there's not just you got to win the tournament to get in the tournament. Nope. We're going to make the regular season valuable in all the small leagues. Yeah. And if you're in the SWAC and you win the regular season and a different team wins the tournament, well, they have two bids now. In the, in the field of 138, automatically, and that goes for every single conference. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. And that weeds out some of the lower, you know, middle, mid-majors and the low, high-majors from getting in the tournament if you do that. Because the regular season needs to matter, too. Chad, the NBA draft lottery is being compared to how the NFL conducts its draft process, its draft order, where the worst team, the team with the worst record, gets the number one pick. Whereas you don't have to have the worst record to be in the pool for a lottery selection in the NBA. The TV aspect of this would be phenomenal for the NFL. Florio and, and Sims had a big debate at Pro Football Talk about this. And... The structure itself would have to be really pinpoint for the NFL to pull this off. What they would be worried about is what the Dallas Mavericks just did 
in the NBA where they rested starters in order to have a better shot at a top 10 pick that was unprotected, that they had traded away or could be going to the Knicks, I believe, in a, a potential trade at the very tail end of all the trade selections that have been uh, swapped for Porzingis. They're worried about that, and they're worried about tanking even more so than what we can point to right now, which would be teams like the Bucks, whenever they uh, ended up with the number one pick and drafted Jameis Winston. Or what Miami tried to do to get Joe Burrow, um, but you know the whole tank for two a year as well. They ended up, I believe, with the third pick, but still ended up with Tua Tagovailoa anyway. There are teams that are going to act like they're not trying to lose, but actually are. That's just going to happen. What the, what the NFL doesn't want is to have four or five of them in the same boat doing that. Because what... I, I, the, the way to do it would be to have the 18 teams in the NFL that do not qualify for the postseason all go into a hat, all have the same chance of getting the number one overall pick. But it still creates the element of, okay, if you're, if you're a six or seven win team, you have the chance to go to the postseason. Or you have a chance to be one of, you have a one in 18 chance of getting the number one overall pick which one do you do in week 18 if you're a franchise that doesn't think you're going to go I mean, to the Super I would, Bowl? I would hope in that scenario. But that's what the Dallas Mavericks just did in the NBA. Yeah. And then that's, that's I think, the fear of the NFL from the way it's structured in the NBA instead of doing it the way they do it, which is just by record. And even though Houston had the worst record going into the final week of the season, Lovey Smith goes for two, knowing he's getting fired. They get the two-point conversion. They win. Chicago loses the Bears get to trade to the Panthers. I think it needs to be more like seven or eight teams that's in the lottery. I, on its face, I don't see any downside if you did it the right way. Well, the structure because the, you are the, eliminating the you are eliminating the total tank jobs to get the number one pick if there's a star quarterback out there or whatever yeah. from teams that are you know we're not talking about a bulk of the league but like the bottom two maybe three mm -hmm. teams each yes. year because if you did it and it's a weighted system. Right, let's say the bottom eight are lottery teams, and you do it by weight of the schedule, you know, or the record. Mm -hmm. Worst teams get more ping pong balls, you know. However you do it, um, I I think that's a good thing. I think it gives another national holiday for NFL fans. <laughs> How crazy would that be? And if by the way, NFL March? fans, NFL interest is everyone in America at this point. So why not? If you do it in or, uh, two weeks before the combine. In February, or right after the combine, early March. Imagine next year, Caleb Williams is going to be in the draft. Drake May. So, and you are a team that is quarterback needy, or you've got an aging quarterback, and you finish in the bottom eight of the league, and you've got a chance at one or two. Imagine being a fan of that team, watching that draft, knowing the fate of your entire franchise rests on that ping pong ball. This is Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, in 1985. It's Wimbenyama right now yes. for San Antonio. It is, it is the same thing with that star quarterback at what, the top of the draft. But what it would prevent, and it, not, not necessarily because there would still be a chance for them to get the number one pick, it would prevent Cincinnati from being able to draft Joe Burrow, right? Like it would prevent. Not necessarily. They would still have the best chance. The no. team that's the worst should still have the, the best chance to be pick number one. Well, the. With the ping pong ball system or however you want to do it. I think it just in, 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 it entices more tanking if you do that than what you currently have. Because right now, you only, you only have two or three teams 
that are it, it, I just, in that, a year where there's Andrew a, Luck or Joe Burrow or whoever, Trevor Lawrence, you're, you're, you can point to where teams start their starters in week, week 18 or week 17 in this case, and then they benched all their starters in well, the second let's half. Say, let's say it's 10. Right? Let's just pick a number. Like a third of the league gets in the lottery. I, I just think the... But the problem... But the, also, the what do you know about trades? Like, but like if you're tw- 13 through 11... Like you're going to tank to try to get in that ten, but what if you knowing you're going to have the least amount of odds but to what get about, number one? But what if one of the worst teams um, pick a team right now? Cleveland, um, Cleveland, who's traded away all their picks. Let's Philadelphia is a good example. Philadelphia had the tenth pick in the draft this year. Would they qualify for the lottery based on this? Yeah, and they just went to the. And that, like, that's the risk of, of taking the pick away. I mean, if you're going to be a first round pick. You know, it's just like now. You could be a high pick, could be a low pick, and if you're in that ten, you fall in the lottery. So that pick goes to that team. Well, you trade that, it to. But that that then disrupts the structure of the league, which is they try to have the competitive balance to where every team and every fan feels like they're in it in December. Well, they don't want Within it. To, reach. They don't want it to feel like chance and luck. The understanding is, I always talk about the the Hippocratic oath of of sports: do no harm, do your best. The, the understanding is the integrity of the game is everyone's doing their best and trying to win. So you never want to upset the apple cart with that. Right. You don't want that from right. officiating to coaching to playing. We've seen it in college baseball now at Alabama and Iowa and Iowa State. You cannot disrupt that. I don't think that typically happens in the NFL where it's just outright tanking throughout. It was a bigger problem in the NBA even though they have the lottery. So... I mean, if you're going to get the middle of the league trying to tank to get into that spot, but that's where the NFL does win, I guess, is it is pure in that if you have the worst record, you get the number one pick. You have the worst season of anyone, so you get the number one pick. It's very clean that way. But, man, I'm looking at it from a TV standpoint. It's a a win-win. TV product to have that for unbelievable. And, 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 I mean, Brian Flores is in a lawsuit and accused – Miami of not of of not tanking. At, no, no, two tank paid him to not win. That was the allegation. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying, but he was going with what I'm talking about is the do your best. Yeah, he wanted to go out and try to win every game, and they won too much, according to Brian Flores. Well, and the Texans. <laughs> oh, the Texans continue look at this, to lose. Look at the last game of the season. They did their best and got him the number two pick. Yeah, where they would have had the number one pick. Yeah. Hit us up with your thoughts uh, from a, a TV revenue standpoint and a viewership, eyeballs. Everyone's locked in on that. But the way it's structured, if you're a fan and you go through a horrific season and Houston fans, Cleveland fans, Jacksonville fans, it's generally one of those organizations that are gunning for the number one pick. I think the monotony of that is why this conversation comes up, right? Yeah, like, I, oh, I just think that we're, we're supposed to get better. Show us where we're better. <laughs> It's tough to question the structure of the NFL right now. With, with, against all the other leagues, it's superior. Oh, and by the way, the NHL has this structure, the lottery. Why aren't they doing this in public? They're doing this behind closed doors in this secret lottery. Like They announced that Chicago won the number one pick. Yeah, I don't understand like, that. Make it a TV product. Yeah, even if it's on NHL Network, it's something for that network. It's something for someone. It's not, it's not going to get massive ratings, but it's, some, it's product for some media company to have. The NFL owns several days of the week. Taco Bell wants to own one. That's next on Hot Mike.
Bryson DeChambeau is your leader at the PGA Championship, currently four under at Oak Hills. You've got Scotty Scheffler and Corey Connors nodded at three under, as is Adam Scott, who's playing in his 87th consecutive major. He's currently in second through eight, three under. That is one of the suggestions, I believe, Chad. Adam Scott. That we had, yeah. Yeah. I just took the wrong one. Oh. Which is not surprising anyone who knows my record in betting, but I went with Terrell Hatton, who has been terrible. Keep scrolling way down that list to see we'll where Hatton it. is at some point. Okay. I'd probably just search him out. I don't think he's even on the gotta, actual like digital. You got to go down to another page or just Google search it and see where he is. That's how far down he is. He's four over right now. Well, not as bad as John Rom. John Rom, yeah, you got to keep scrolling. It's six over is where he uh, ended up for day one. Again, uh, your leader currently, Bryson DeChambeau, at four under for the day. Chad, Taco Bell, they want Taco Tuesday. They want the naming rights. <laughs> Who of Taco doesn't Tuesday. want Taco Tuesday? Um, but they can't claim that phrase because it's trademarked. It is trademarked. It's owned by Gregory's Restaurant and Bar in New Jersey. And there's another trademark that's owned by Taco John's, which is a Wyoming-based Mexican food chain. And it is awesome. Every time we drive to Nebraska, throughout the state of Missouri, they have them. They have them all over Nebraska. Terrific. They have, and I don't know why anybody thought it. It's like almost like, I guess, like Sloppy Joe's or Manwich. Yeah. They have a taco burger. And it's just taco Taco seasoned meat. meat in a loose meat sandwich. With hamburger buns, and it sounds so simple, yet so delicious. Sounds like a Sloppy Joe. So delicious. <laughs> Ta- anyway, ta- ta- Cafeteria. I had Sloppy Joe's last night, in fact, but Taco John's is really good. Um, so Gregory's Restaurant, by the way, is owned by a guy named Gregory Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> Gregory Gregory is going that's, head-to-head with Taco Bell. Taco Bell perfect. is saying that it's trying to... By the way, to, that's uh, the first thing that ever made Matt laugh in here. <laughs> he just taunts us the whole time, but Gregory, Matthew, Matthew. Gregory finally made him, made him uh, laugh. Uh, Taco Bell's claiming that Who was the guy who trying... killed uh, Sirhan Sirhan? I'm trying oh. to think of two named people. He's the guy who killed Kennedy. And then what was the... Robert, uh, not JFK, Robert Kennedy. What Bobby was the Tom Kennedy. Hanks doctor on SNL? Dr. David Doctor, was that the name? Or <laughs> I think, yeah, there was a double repeating of doctor. <laughs> the name was Dr. Doctor. <laughs> uh, Boutros, Boutros, Golly. Was an important figure back in the Gregory, 90s. Gregory, Gregory is just some, uh, something to behold there. Um, so the, Taco Bell's trying to claim that they're, they want, they want the, the but free... But he made a place. Sorry, we got to go Free back up to the this. phrase for restaurants nationwide as if they don't want this yeah. for themselves. Gregory, Gregory, though, founding a restaurant called Gregory's. <laughs> is, is, that's the best part <laughs> of the whole story. Is that the family name or is that his first name? Has anyone secured the IP for this man's life story? I think we should at OutKick. Let's pay for it and make a movie about Gregory Gregory's life. First off, overcoming the obstacles of being ruthlessly made fun of for your name being Gregory Gregory and turning that into a Mexican restaurant, Gregory's. I mean, it's a, it's a story of triumph. I've got the full pitch to a studio hey, right now, ready to go. A broad, a broad array of different things on their, on their menu right now. But they do have Taco Tuesdays. Well, Gregor's. I've never been to Gregory's, but I want to visit now this New Jersey-based place. But um, Taco John's, if you're in the Midwest, and it's, I, I didn't realize it was based out of Wyoming, but if you're out west in the Midwest, swing by Taco John's and thank me later. Chad, how, Great would, you, food. how would you feel about a name? Chad, Chad. <laughs> oh, that would be miserable. <laughs> 
I did a uh, I did a geography. We had to do like a geography project in fifth grade on a country, and my country was Chad. I know that um, the capital is Najimina. There's an apostrophe in there in the name of the capital, and I believe their Better. chief export is sugar. Sure. Better, I just better presentation. Up. You, Chad on Chad, or Evie's presentation for what she invented for Mark Cuban? The young Evie did a much better Crushed job than, than I did. Very comfortable. Natural-born presenter, my daughter. Back at it tomorrow for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, 3 o'clock Eastern on the Outkick Network.